Perfect. And where are you located? Uh, I'm in Boston. Oh, cool. I've never been there. I want to go there. Yeah, definitely spring, summer, fall. Like right now we're like coming into, you want to come here when it's warm or else it's just like too cold. And you're Uh, in Miami right now? No, I'm in Toronto right now. Oh, in Toronto. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Toronto. I go to Miami for some podcasts. They have a good studio there. So I've started to do some in person, but no, I'm in Toronto, but it's okay. I love Toronto, but it's cold here too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I like flutter around. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, let's get right into it. Hey guys, welcome back to the channel. I am Jillian Barry, and today we have a great guest on. Her name is Abby. She's incredible and she is a digestive health expert. And we're going to talk about juicing and how that affects the gut. And she is also the co-host of the Your Body Has Your Back podcast. So go check that out. It's awesome as well. And let's hop right into it. Hey, Abby, I just want to say a lot of people come on my channel because we do a lot of videos about juicing and juice fast and incorporating juicing into your life. And I know it's changed my life doing that and so many others, but a lot of people do come on with some reservations, some concerns. There's no fiber. I'm going to mess up my gut microbiome, all these things. So we have some amazing questions for you today. And just a quick backstory before I let you get right into it, but we met through Nama because I'm an affiliate with Nama. They're, in my opinion, the best juicer on the market right now. I'll put my code down below if you guys want one. And that's how I met you because Nama's a great company. They put on some free talks for us to learn more. And you were a professional speaker and you did a talk about this subject. So I learned a lot and I wanted to bring you on because I know my viewers will benefit as well. So let's hop into it. Um, I just want to start out with saying... Like I said, a lot of people come on and say juicing is going to affect my gut. There's no fiber. So I think it'd be great to start with that topic right there. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. And I love the topic of of juicing and especially kind of like demystifying some of those myths. And I think first off, when we think about juice, like there is fiber in juice. There's just two different types of fiber. So we certainly have like the fiber that gets spit out into the pulp. So that's our insoluble fiber that's non-dissolvable in water. But we have soluble fiber that's maintained in the juice that becomes part of that liquid. It's water soluble. So it dissolves in water and stays in integrity in the juice. And when we think about like what's actually feeding the microbiome, soluble fiber is a great source of food for the microbiome. We're talking about the the beneficial flora, the bacteria, but also the polyphenols, which are the colorful plant compounds are also incredible food sources. Um, Quite frankly, maybe preferred food sources um, for those beneficial bacteria. And those are abundant in juices. So I think when we're thinking about some of the, the wariness of like juice and potentially negative impact to like gut, we're, we're thinking about it in too narrow of a lens. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think essentially then it benefits our gut? essentially, right? To add in juices and to do juice fast. And what's your opinion on long juice fast? I know somebody was asking, they said, hi, Jillian, I recently did a 100 day juice cleanse, a 102 day juice cleanse. And I'm wondering how that truly affects the gut microbiome. I know some people say you'll never be able to digest food properly after again and things like that. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, you know, I think, um, in terms of like gut function, like our gut is, is amazing at functioning. Like that is, you know, it's more of, Um, juice is incredibly supportive to decreasing inflammation in the gut, especially if someone's coming into it. Um, I mean, I work with digestive conditions, IBS, IBD, like all the just uncomfy and unflattering digestive symptoms in between. And juice can be an amazing vehicle for someone coming from that direction to say like, Hey, I'm having symptoms and challenges in my gut. That's suggesting inflammation, dysbiosis, infection, what have you. Yes, we need to get to those deeper root causes, but how can we facilitate making digestion 
um, and absorption of nutrients may be a little easier. And that's where juice kind of taking out some of that insoluble fiber, that's a lot of work for the digestive system. Like plants are hard to break down. This is what people don't really understand. Like they're, you know, amazingly nutrient dense. I'm a super big proponent of plants. Plant forward is kind of like what I like to talk to myself, kind of label, I guess, myself and my approach. Um, but they're hard, they're work for the GI system. So if somebody's coming into it with an under construction GI system that's got some symptoms, when we actually go to outsourcing digestion, because that's what we're doing with a juicer. That's also kind of what we're doing with like a smoothie or even cooking foods. We're going to make it easier for someone to break down and assimilate. So actually pull the nutrients from the gut into the bloodstream and maybe decrease some of the inflammation. That's the barrier for that. So there's a lot of kind of therapeutic value to utilizing different delivery mechanisms for food, juice being an amazing vehicle for that. Yeah. And you know, they, a lot of people say with the gut microbiome, we need a big variety of things because we have so many, um, I don't know how many trillions or whatever bacteria, and Mm. we need a big variety of foods. So do you think on a juice fast, it's important to incorporate a big variety of different types of juices, or it's okay to just stick the same sort of ones. And do you have an, like a top juice that you think is great for the gut as well? Yeah. So variety is the foundation of nutrition. That is like the statement I will stand on all day, every day. Um, and you know, where variety, we think about it in terms of certainly like types of fruits and vegetables, colors of fruits and vegetables, flavor profiles of fruits and vegetables. Like we cannot get enough of variety. Really what we're aiming for are like five different types of fruits and vegetables, ideally different colors every day, 30 over the course of a week. So that is kind of putting it to numeric value of like, all right, what's that variety? Because that's going to encourage the diversity of the keystone species or beneficial bacteria that are the essentially integrators of of maintaining optimal kind of gut health. Um, When we're thinking about a like long-term juice fast, this is where, you know, I do think about um, opportunity for, we do got to think about protein. So, you know, there are higher juices in protein. Those are going to be more, most of our like green juices. Um, I used to work for a juice fast company reboot with Joe, like back in the day. And we would, we would guide people through long-term juice fast. And we did find that adding in even some like plant proteins were really supportive of people to, um, create more sometimes like satiety, maintain muscle mass, um, help with, especially if someone was wanting to like continue an exercise regimen that was maybe like weightlifting or things like that. So um, we do want to think about, you know, some of the nutrients that we really have to, to, you know, look for specific plants in some of those um, like vitamin A and zinc. Vitamin A is so important for our gut and particularly the immune system. Our uh, secretory IgA is a, a, we can actually measure it, measure it through stool testing. That's what I do in my private practice. Um, and we can actually see, you know, it's like, if we think about our, our gut as like a club and that immune system is our bouncer and, you know, how good is our bouncer is going to determine like, do we have a very chic, like club with all of our VIP guests and, you know, just where we want them to be, or do we have like people that we don't want in there, uninvited guests, riffraff of what have you. Um, vitamin A is one of the most important nutrients and it's, it is found in plants. We can transform it through beta carotene, those orange plants. Um, but that's genetic based on how good are your unique body at transforming that into preformed vitamin A. Um, so these are sometimes where that individuality 
is so important. So, you know, fundamentally this is kind of what we talk about on the podcast is like, we have to listen to our own body. So when we were guiding people through these longer juice fasts, you know, I think there's always that idea of like, let's set some big goals. Like, you know, let's say like, Hey, if you're really wanting to, to do something big like this and do a longer juice fast, like set that 30 day goal, set that, you know, whatever goal you're going to set, but then you have to listen to your body. And if you're going along in that juice fast and you start to hit let's say day 15. And you're like, man, I was feeling really good. I was feeling really energized. I was feeling really plugged into my body. And then I hit day 15 and I'm, I'm dragging day 16. I'm majorly dragging day 17. That is the sign from your body of like, it needs more. Mm-hmm. And that could simply be like, let's bring one meal in a day yeah. and rest to be juice. You know, some, something yeah. I'm like body, like I'm going to validate you. You're communicating with me. Thank you so much. It's probably that I just need more of something. Yeah. Absolutely. Well said. That's amazing. And do you think there's things we can look for as indicators, whether or not our gut is functioning great, whether we're on a juice fast or not? And like, you know, maybe we have no idea. Is our gut functioning great or is it not? What do you think are some keys to look for? And do you do you think those tests are good as well? I know there's tests out there that can t- test your gut health. Yeah. So I think first and foremost, let's look to our symptoms. I mean, that is the direct communication from our body. And so we can think of like, I like to paint the picture of the perfect poop for clients um, to say like, Hey, it's going to be one to three times per day. Um, The, you know, kind of leading up to the bowel movement, no drama. We don't have bloating. We don't have cramping. We don't have discomfort. The actual bowel movement itself is formed. It's like one to two pieces about the length of a forearm, which if kind of surprises people. Um, it's uniform in color. It's like that crayon in the crayon box. They're like, oh, that's the that's the poop color. It's not pale. It's not overly dark. It's not yellow, orange, frothy, floating. There's no mucus or food stuffs in it. Um, the actual experience, we're in and out of the bathroom in under five minutes. Um, and I said this even before COVID, but if we didn't have toilet paper, we like toilet paper, but it wouldn't be that big of a deal because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of cleanup. Um, yeah have distension or bloating, the normalization of bloating these days is really a, I think, dismissive of the communication of our body to say, if we have massive distension, you know, towards the end of the day after eating foods, um, that's a communication to say like, Hey, like there's something going on down there. There's a production and excess production of typically gas from an imbalance in bacteria. Like, let's get curious about that. As opposed to saying, Hey, this is normal. I see this all over like social media and things because I think it's a barrier for people who are looking to really get to the root cause of their health because our gut can be a huge indicator. So if you deviate from that perfect poop story, that's where we kind of get curious. And maybe the first place we we leverage is dietary changes, more mm-hmm. whole foods, less processed foods, looking at our lifestyle too, kind of our sleep kind of Goldilocks movement, not too much, not too little, um, you know, hydration, juice would be an amazing thing to welcome in, see how that feels in the digestive system. And then above and beyond that, if you've done a lot of those foundations and you're like, man, my diet is on point, my lifestyle I'm really working on, my stress I'm really working on, but I'm continuing to struggle with some of these, like the bloating or the heartburn or the constipation or, you know, you name it. Um, that's where working with someone like a functional dietitian that can utilize some of those gut testing tools. A lot of the at-home ones, I just don't think are worth spending the money on. Yeah. Um, don't give us the, you know, the tangible, like when I interpret some people that will come to me and say like, Hey, I did this at-home stool test, like Viome. 
some of the others, like they, they give me no actionable tips. They're, okay. they're strictly very like research-based. They're telling about unique strains. And like, we just don't have enough to say this strain means that this strain. It's like, we need to know the functional markers. I got to know where the inflammation is, where the digestive capacity is, where the immune system is. And certainly I want to know yeah. about the beneficial bacteria and some of the bullies on the playground, um, which could be bacteria, parasites, fungus, you name it. But we want to know about the whole kind of the whole picture, bio liver function, maldigestion of fat. So that's where um, these are kind of more clinical tools in my yeah. practice. GI map is a, the name of a stool test. So they're very, very valuable, but it's the value in who's interpreting it. Yeah. And who guide you is really where the wealth is. Yeah. And I'll link all your information below too, for anybody who wants to contact you for all this or for some help as well. And our gut is so tied to our happiness and our mood as well, don't you think? So if our gut is off, then our moods and our everything in our life might be off, right? As to how we're feeling. Yeah. And that's actually even more a validation for like juice and fruits and vegetables, because those polyphenols that I was talking about, those colorful constituents, those are the feeders of again, our microbiome, our gut microbiome, but in particular, certain keystone strains that are our um, short chain fatty acid producers. So we feed our gut bacteria with what we eat. They eat the food stuff. And if they're the good guys of sorts, just to say it super simply, um, they will eat those food stuffs. They will eat those polyphenols, those colorful compounds, and they will essentially produce or like poop out in a sense, um, these beneficial compounds, short chain fatty acids. There's butyrate is kind of the, the most um, dis kind of disgust, I would suppose, um, where it's actually a communicator. It's tremendously anti-inflammatory, but it is really starting to, you know, replace our old model of believing of kind of anxiety, depression, being more neurotransmitter. So like dopamine, serotonin related and more to say, oh, actually these gut chemicals are direct communicators to our brain. They're reducers of inflammation. And when we have an inflamed gut, we are more likely to have an inflamed brain. And that's kind of where exacerbations, like the volume can get turned on up of some of those anxiety, depression, and um, other like mood disorders. Um, so the more short chain fatty acids and more short chain fatty acid producers we have, and the more feeding that we do of them, the more we see improvements in that um mood, nervous system, like that support. So it's really, really fascinating. Wow. Yeah. That's super interesting. And back to bloating a little bit. I know when some people go on a juice fast or they start incorporating juicing, they might say they experience some bloating. And I know when I've gone to do a cleanse in the past, maybe that's happened just for the first couple of days with certain cleanses. And then it just gets better than ever and it balances out. So do you think it might be normal to experience a little bit of bloating at first with something like juicing? And maybe it's not a red flag that to stop doing it's not working. Yeah. So I would say, um, you know, especially if we're going from like not really having a robust plant centric diet, and then we kind of transition to say, Hey, I'm going to drink all these juices. I'm going to eat all these plants, like whatever form I'm taking them in our gut microbiome. Again, we have influence over our gut microbiome. It shifts like every five days. Um, and wow. so that's really short. Yeah. It's pretty, it's amazing. The influence that we can have. So, you know, for good or for better or for worse with that, depending upon which way we're shifting, um, but when we, when we eat those foodstuffs, like fiber goes in one end and out the other, we don't absorb fiber into our bloodstream. It literally just kind of ends up in the toilet and it's what it feeds on the way is the, is the benefit to it. But if we are working on shifting our microbiome to have greater diversity and greater, um, abundance, which those are the two terms we want abundance and we want diversity. 
we're going to have some transition. And, you know, this is where people are like, oh my gosh, I eat beans and I like get so much gas and so much distension or things. And it's like, well, do you eat beans regularly? They're like, no, never. You're like, Mm. okay, well, we might need to grow those beneficial bacteria who are going to help you digest some of that, like extra cellulose plant compounds. The same would go with juicing. And I would say, you know, to your point, if someone's doing this and it's like a week or two go by and they're still getting that like excess distension, painful bloating, feeling like it's not, um, you know, they're not getting forward positive movement, then it might be that there's some underlying um, imbalance in their gut bacteria, or maybe some bullies on the playground, some congested drainage pathways, some of these like deeper root causes that, um, you know, diet is a foundation, but sometimes we need a little bit more like specific tools to kind of get in there and shift things um, a little yeah. bit more. Closely. Yeah. Okay, cool. And maybe hang in there a little bit, right? For the for things to change. And yeah. do you think there's any specific juices that you recommend that you think are extra healing on the gut? Or do you think just all the plants and everything's great? Yeah. So you asked this question. I realized I, I didn't answer it. And I was like, oh, I really wanted to. Um, so one of my favorite ingredients that we just don't eat enough of, or categories of foods, I should suppose, uh, that we just don't eat enough of our bitter foods. So mm-hmm. these are, you know, outside of our very like forward focus of sweetness, like they can feel very um, different from the palate. But so bitter foods will trigger the bitter receptors on our taste, on our tongue, um, but also the bitter receptors in our digestive organs and our accessory organs. So our stomach to produce stomach acid, our liver to produce bile, um, our pancreas to produce digestive enzymes. And those are the chemical constituents that actually help us to break down and therefore absorb the nutrients and the um, the macronutrients like from our foods. So mm-hmm. bitter foods would be like, those are our citrus and our citrus rind. So I always love to wow. include like an inch of the rind of ideally organic, if we're going to use the rind of like a lemon or a lime or orange or something, but an inch of the rind, a lot of the rind mm. will create a lot of bitter flavor. Um, you know, sometimes overwhelmingly not positive bitter flavor. So just like an inch, you're going to get, we don't need a tremendous, tremendous amount um, or things like cranberries, um, things like ginger would be a bitter and we love ginger and juices. There's like mm-hmm. so many, we could talk about ginger probably for the rest of the episode. Um, we can think of those bitter greens like endive and radicchio and arugula, watercress even like, again, a little bit goes a long way. You don't need, I mean, if you love it and you want to lean into it, wonderful. Um, we can think of this is even actually where like shout out to like coffee and matcha and like cacao um, have some bitter constituents to them. We do want to experience that bitter. So if we're adding a bunch of like cream and sugar, we're kind of decreasing yeah. bitter stimulation that we're going to get um, vinegar. You know, we talk a lot about apple cider vinegar. The bitter part of that mm-hmm. is like kind of hollering down to the digestive system to say like food is coming. Get yeah. ready, everybody like prep the, you know, prep digestion. And we actually are able to um, kind of assimilate foods better and fermented foods, um, are also really wonderful, bitter foods. We're not juicing maybe a tremendous amount, but I've have heard some of our NAMA affiliates adding like a little bit of, um, like, a you know, the juice from a fermented into their juices or making like little pre like digestion shots that maybe have some ginger lemon, and then mm-hmm. maybe a little bit apple cider vinegar stuff. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. We're kind of fusing the world of juicing and then adding a little bit target in because apple cider vinegar also will help to balance our blood sugar. Yeah. So we get lots of benefits there. 
Yeah, great points. I've heard people speak on the bitter before in the past. And that's a great reminder to me because you're right, incorporating the bitter. This juice has ginger and some of the bitter you were talking about. And I've heard that it's so healthy before. So I love that you brought that up. And I'm wondering about food combining with juicing. Do you think it matters or it can affect our gut negatively or positively with combining things? And I know some people will say, oh, we shouldn't combine fruits and vegetables in a juice. What are your thoughts on all of that? Yeah. So I know this is like some people have, you know, very strong emotional ties to this. Um, So I'll just speak to like my, you know, personal perspective on it. Um, When I think about combining of, you know, foods, I'm really thinking about like, how does the digestive system work? Um, And, you know, is there, are there limitations to combinations of foods? Um, And would that, you know, cause any challenges to digestion? And really the way digestion works is, especially when we're just talking about fruits and vegetables, like they're the exact same macronutrient. We're talking about carbohydrates for the most part. Like, yes, there's some amino acids and proteins in there. They're um, not so much healthy fats in terms of just fruits and vegetables, um, you know, with exceptions here and there, but we're not juice and avocados for the most part. Um, So when we think about digestion of carbohydrates, we're really thinking about like salivary amylase, we're thinking about um, our pancreatic enzymes that have amylase. We're thinking about our brush border enzymes that are in our small intestines. And those are going to be produced no matter what we eat. You know, there we have a reaction of stomach acids always going to be present, not only because that's where we digest protein, but that's also where we, um, you know, help to kill any pathogens that might have come in on our fruit or our vegetable or our, you know, whatever it is that we're eating. Um, we're always going to be secreting bile from, or ideally, hopefully we got a lot of challenges around bile production. That's those bitter foods are going to stimulate that predominantly. Um, I like to save all the gallbladders we can, um, but that bile, cause that's going to neutralize that stomach acid. So those factors, and then that acidity of the food moving through is going to trigger the release of those pancreatic enzymes. So all of that's happening really independent of what we're eating. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether we're having fruits and vegetables together, we're going to be digesting that carbohydrates, whether we're having protein and healthy fats and fiber all together. You know, I really view it from a blood sugar standpoint that the food combinations are going to essentially help to support blood sugar. We just know that from research. Um, And I think more that if somebody is combining foods and having challenges to digestion, my brain more, more goes to, what's going on in the root causes of their digestive system that maybe there's some impediments of those optimal like maldigestion secretion of those um, digestive chemicals. Maybe there's some bullies on the playground, as we were saying, maybe there's congestion to their drainage pathways, like their bile. That's a major waste detox pathway. That's how the gut and detoxification are connected. So I start to go through those root causes and start to think about, you know, what might be happening or are they simply eating in a stressed environment? Mm-hmm. Because digestion starts in the brain. That's our cephalic phase. And if we're distracted or running around or just answering stressful emails, we're not going to be able to get that robust production of those kind of digestive compounds also. Yeah. That reminds me of Dr. Brooke Goldner. She talks about that, how maybe sometimes if you're having a reaction to a food or something, it's not necessarily the food. We have to look at the environment and the gut and everything like that. And I know you said with stress, like I think even other things can affect our gut, right? Like I've heard stress and trauma can really affect our gut microbiome. I think that's just wild. Yeah, I think that's the number. I mean, that is the biggest thing that that I see in practice. Um, I certainly feel it in my own body, especially in the more awareness that we start to bring to, um, you know, our own experience of stress. And that's really, you know, where, I mean, we think about stress and we think about cortisol, our predominant stress hormone and cortisol when it's elevated 
um, is a wear and tear hormone. It's an anabolic hormone. So it breaks down tissues and a little bit of cortisol, like every once in a while is, is a, an adaptive stress response. We can roll with that, but more chronically, if we're kind of living in this, like, go, go, go fight or flight, chronic stress dynamic, cortisol mm -hmm. will actually poke holes in the gut. So then we wow. hear about gut or intestinal permeability, which is a very, you know, valid dynamic. It's very common too. And, you know, I think stress is often the, the, the end kind of the, the trigger for that. And then we can think about if we start to expand that idea of stress beyond just psycho-emotional, like I'm worried about something to, you know, am I under eating calories? That's a stress, particularly for our menstruating women who have fluctuations in hormones. We're much more sensitive to stressors like under eating of calories. I see that all the time. And many of my clients are unintentionally under eating, mm -hmm. um, you know, over exercise. That's a stress. Exercise is a beautiful stress. But if we're overdoing it and we're undernourishing, we're actually going to create more dysregulation in, in those um, in our cortisol. And that's going to influence our hormones. And then we're going to experience more PMS or dynamics of PCOS, even with the adrenal driven. Um, we can think of, uh, you know, extended fasting. You know, fasting is a great tool, but it needs to be wielded wisely. And particularly, mm -hmm. again, speaking more to those, you know, men are much more resilient to fat to fasting because they're like groundhogs, no offense, men, but they yeah. testosterone in the morning, lowest at night. And they're the same thing every day. We have an infradian rhythm, especially during our menstruation phase when we're, you know, we're kind of, we're fluctuating throughout the month and we, you know, there's a beauty in that, but there's also a responsibility in that of really working with, with our bodies. So thinking about, you know, even poor sleep quality, we're going to see higher or lower rather res resilience to stress or low mineral intake. And um, this is where juice is, you know, an amazing vehicle for minerals, particularly potassium. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is a huge resilience to our blood sugar um, where we can see, you know, I think a lot of people are talking about like sugar and juices. Um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of like 80, 20 rule, like kind of crowding out. I know some people really like the just straight fruit juices and mm -hmm. I, I allow everyone to do what they want to do. It's all yeah, comes down me to too. Yeah. 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 I'm like, ain't no, ain't do no what you makes you happy. Yeah. hundred percent. 80, 20, 80 greens, 20 fruit. I, I do. Cause I just, you know, there are people with resilient blood sugar and metabolism and they can have, you know, a, a big fruit juice and not have kind of spikes to their blood sugar. Um, especially if they're like active, if they have, um, you know, healthy insulin response, things like that. But the majority, I mean, the statistic from the, the CDC and, um, I'm trying to think of exactly of the numbers. Um, but it's about, it's like, one in, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it's about like one in six individuals in the United States has prediabetes and 80% don't oh, know it. That's crazy. It's crazy. So yeah. when you think of those individuals, 80% of them don't know. And unfortunately, our healthcare system is not very good at catching people before we've actually got the like pre-diabetes, before we've got the diabetes, before we've got like the big thing. They're like, oh no, you're great. Just keep going. And then we're going to tell you when it's like, oh, it's too late. Now we're giving mm -hmm. you a diagnosis. So for those individuals, and just again, the, the lack of awareness for many of us around that, I think about like for someone drinking, you know, a juice in that state in a, a full fruit juice, like they might have some dysregulations to blood sugar that are going to throw them on that loop-de-loop -loop roller coaster that's going to start that inflammation and that stress dynamic. Yeah. And if, and so, so for those, that's really where, when I kind of make blanket statements, if I'm working with an individual, I can look at their blood labs. I can speak to them, you know, uniquely, we could even test their blood sugar. We could do all of those things. Um, but if I'm going to make kind of a big broad statement to a population, I'm going to go to the majority of people that I'm probably talking about that have 
some sort of, you know, opportunity for blood sugar support. And that's where I'd love to crowd out some of the carbohydrate content with more vegetables that are lower and, and then some of that sweetness and fruit and joy that we can get from the flavors and the, the, um, the excitement of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And can you work with people remotely? So say somebody's at the other side of the country and they want to work with you. Is that possible? Yes. I run an entirely remote, um, practice. I have a one-on-one practice. Um, and then I also have an online program as well called no drama digestion, um, where we help to heal those deeper root causes, um, uh, gut dysfunctions uh, of all sorts. Amazing. And I like the name, no drama. That's awesome. And I know you talked a little bit about enzymes. So that made me think some people come on and they say it's not natural to juice because you need to chew. And maybe some people think like you, the saliva only kicks in or the proper enzymes when you're chewing. I know with juice though, I mean, it's pretty much, it's like pre-digested kind of like it just, you absorb it so much easier and you don't need as much digestion. But do you think that affects us with our enzymes and the saliva and everything as well, um, incorporating the juicing? Yeah, I think that, so, you know, chewing is part of our activation of our parasympathetic nervous system. That's kind of coming back to that, like activation of digestion. When we think about the nervous system, generally we have two arms of the nervous system. We have our sympathetic, our go, go, go fight or flight. That's our stress nervous system. Um, and that's when digestion is, is kind of turned off in a sense, because the body's like, Hey, we don't need to digest. We need to save ourselves from this tiger that's chasing us, whether it's, you know, emails or in fact, a tiger very rarely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have our, our other arm, which is our parasympathetic arm and that's our rest and digest. And that's when digestion is, is really primed to happen. But that's where, you know, many of us, myself included, like it's so much harder for us to move our nervous system or it's an active process, I should say, to move our nervous system into that parasympathetic. So that's where like deep breathing, I mean, our breath is one of the greatest tools. It's a, it's a brain tool. Mm -hmm. Because our breath is more directly connected to our brain than any other um, process that we have some control over in the body. It's pretty fascinating. So three breaths before a meal um, or before a juice can activate moving from, okay, my stress nervous system into my parasympathetic. And then we literally can get like more saliva production. We can get more digestive production. We can really turn digestion on because the body's like, oh, all right, we're in that rest and digest. So thinking of like, you know, chewing is one of the ways that mm. we can start to kind of, because the, the brain's like, oh, you're chewing. Oh, you must be digesting. Okay. All right. Let's like do all of these things that same with like cooking or preparation of juice. We start to smell those volatile compounds. We start to, the brain's like, oh, what's going on? Okay. Like almost like Pavlov, like you, you know, you shake the dog food container and the dog's like sitting there drooling. Yeah. So excited for, you know, food we have the same when it's like we're, we're cooking or we're preparing our juices and we're intimately connected to like the colors and the smells and, um, the chewing in that example. So we can think of like, you know, do we have to chew? I don't think so necessarily. I think too, we've outsourced a lot of, you know, the juicers, the best chewer around and we're historically terrible chewers. And I put myself in that category. Yeah. Um, Really we're supposed to chew, you know, to the consistency of baby food. Um, and that's like 30 chews per bite. Yeah. Uh, and I do and this. We are not. Bit. Most of us are not. We are just rushing through those bites. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, I can catch myself doing it all the time. And I'm like, oh, and it'll hit my stomach. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I feel a little bloated. I'm like, it's because I literally didn't <laughs> chew. I like, you know, or I chewed a fraction of what I was supposed to. And I'm like, mm, I can notice the difference. And when we think of bloating, like, is it the way that we're eating? And, you know, or we think of delivery food. It's like, we're like sitting there working, working, whatever. And then it's like doorbell rings and we're like, oh, it's time to eat. And our brain's like, hold on, 
you didn't give me any signals. You didn't give me any like shout out that we were going to digest. And then it's like after lunch, we're like, oh, we must like the food's bad. We must have eaten something wrong. But really, to your point, it's the environment. And we yeah. can think of the environment in our body, but also the environment that we create around us to really like prime that digestion. And again, there's responsibility there that, you know, we can ha- bring, we can welcome in some of those tools to help us to, to support that process. Yeah. Wow. Well said. And all things I haven't thought about, like everything around you and the breathing. I love that. Well, I'd love to ask you, I know we have a little bit more time. I'd love to ask you a couple of viewers questions. My viewers have a lot of great questions for you. So somebody said, how is it that we consume more calories than when eating while juicing and can still lose weight? I know for me, I know for a lot of people, they can feast, not fast, drink a ton of juice and still lose weight. So why do you think that is? Yeah. I mean, I think really it comes down to when we think about weight in, um, you know, we can speak to kind of the United States, but I guess it's it's a predominant problem now kind of everywhere. Like there's a lot of the food choices and the, the inflammation process that those are, that those are triggering. So those like poor quality foods, um, we can think of more of like the processed foods, more of the sugar laden foods, um, very, you know, more inflammatory types of oils, omega-6s, things like that, that are causing inflammation. And inflammation is a process that's going to kind of create inflammatory compounds, chemicals, chemical messengers. um, And those will, you know, aid in the dysregulation of blood sugar, aid in the increased storage of adipose tissue, and aid in just the, the dysregulation of a lot of the kind of conversations, communications, and balance in the body. So, you know, what we're eating, like, I think the best way to think about food is like, it's information Mm -hmm. and we get to decide like, what kind of information do I want to feed to my body today? Do I want to feed to it? Like dysregulating information and more of like the processed, like flour laden foods that are, that are very easy to digest and very stimulatory in terms of those inflammatory pathways, or do I want to feed to it this like rich you know, intellectual information of sorts that's really going to educate my body versus dysregulate it. And so we can really see, you know, is weight in fact about calories? I think there's obviously there is a piece that calories are, you know, valid, but I do think, you know, I see a lot of like, and I'm sure many of your viewers are like under, you know, on this weight loss journey, massively under eating calories and being like, I'm not losing weight at all. And their doctors are like, you must be cheating. You must be Mm -hmm. doing it wrong. And it's like, there's more of a, a more of a story in their body of like the dysregulation and the communications of our, you know, hormones and our stress response and, and things. And more of those anti-inflammatory nutrients are going to help to unwind and untether some of those stuck communicators. Um, the bitter foods are going to help to open the drainage pathway because we got to take the trash out. And this is where like lots of talk about detoxification and detox is, you know, so important. Um, amino acids from protein are one of the biggest drivers of detoxification, mm-hmm. but that's putting the trash in the trash can and the yeah. trash dominantly is going to be the liver, but we do detox in other organs. Um, our lymphatic system is what delivers the waste to that trash can. But then how do we actually take the trash can and take the trash out of the body or take it out of the, you know, the home, um, that's drainage. And so that's where that bile piece is coming in. That's where the gut comes in as our third phase of detox, we call it. And that's literally the garbage truck that then takes the waste and brings it into ideally the toilet or, you know, one way or the other stool or urine predominantly, we can take things out through sweat too. And so that's where that like kind of bitters and like what we're eating and, you know, playing with all of those facets um, can really help because we do have to take the the waste. Our adipose cells are also storage containers for, um, 
again, energy, and they're just excess energy that's waiting to be used. Um, but they're also storage containers for waste products and chemicals. And, um, you know, we think of plastic exposure and things like this that we will store in there when the body's like, oh, I just, I, I want some distance from this and I don't have enough capacity to take it out of our detox and drainage pathways. Yeah, amazing. Okay, well said. And I have to ask you, I just thought, about mucoid plaque. I don't know what your thoughts are on mucoid plaque. A lot of people think it's real. A lot of people don't think it's real. Do you think it's real? So when I hear about mucoid plaques, I more think about like biofilms um, in, in the gut um, and in the body, I suppose, but predominantly in the gut. So, you know, a lot of our organisms, um, predominantly like bacteria and fungus use biofilms, which are essentially like, I like to think about them as like protective force fields that they build around themselves so that they can more um, protect themselves from our immune system. Um, and they can communicate seamlessly together as this like really brilliant organism um, and, and really be more resilient in, you know, a pretty chaotic organ. The gut is, is always chaotic and it's not necessarily negative. Um, but so when we're, you know, utilizing things that are helping to break down and penetrate some of those biofilms, we can see them kind of coming out the other side. We see that in, you know, some of the, a lot of the work that I do with, with clients in our online program and, um, and our one-on-one, because especially if there's overgrowths of dysbiotic, um, fungus or bacteria, Mm -hmm. those are big biofilm producers. And we kind of got to break in, um, to the, you know, to that organism in order to, start to penetrate it if we're going to use like herbs or if we want to even kind of get to being able to really nourish the the membranes and rebuild the gut um, barrier and things like that. So I think more so like we're all just using different terms to yeah. kind of describe like similar things. So I think of more of the, it's like the organisms in us and we do, you know, there are biofilms that are working for us, some that are, you know, <laughs> working against us. And we always want to think about though, I think even more of like the why. Mm -hmm. So for instance, like we can think of like someone with like candida overgrowth, that's a big biofilm producer grows into, it has legs that kind of grow into the, the wall of the gut can be very inflammatory. Um, but candida is not a root cause. Mm -hmm. So then we think about like, okay, what is allowing for candida to thrive? What is, you know, either, is it like lack of immune nutrients? So Mm -hmm. maybe we need more vitamin A. Um, maybe there's congestion in our bile drainage pathways and we haven't been able to absorb those fat soluble nutrients. Um, is there some sort of like toxicity exposure from our environment? I work a lot with mold toxicity, um, which is much more unfortunately common than we think. Um, that's a big driver of suppression to the immune system and kind of the idea of like when the cat's away, the mice will play when the immune system is, is suppressed, you know, fungus is allowed to thrive. Yeah. Uh, metal exposure, like things. So we always want to think about why. So we're not missing the forest for the trees because that candida that builds that biofilm is actually there mopping up some of the waste products and some of the the damaging compounds that are being produced. So, you know, it's not helpful that it's there, but it's doing a helpful process why Mm -hmm. it's there. Or, you know, if there's too much iron in someone's body, I had a client that we found out had hemochromatosis and, and excess absorption genetically of iron. He had no idea typically comes out when they're like 40, 40 or 50. Um, but he had tremendous candida overgrowth and we found that first. And then it was like, why is this there? And then we ran more testing and found like, oh my gosh, your iron is significantly elevated to the point, you know, we got him diagnosed with hemochromatosis. And if I had just said like, oh, it's candida, let's treat, treat, treat. 
his poor liver would be overwhelmed and we'd be missing the forest for the trees because it was actually the iron that the candida was like, we're, we're just going to clean it up. We're going to clean up the environment. We think of like Chernobyl, the first thing that grew back was fungus because it is a cleaner upper of environment. So just the example of thinking like that environment and kind of expanding out to like always being curious and asking the question of why. And there's always a reason. Wow. Amazing. You know, so much. You're so well-spoken. You know, so much. We'll have to have you back on again to talk about like just the gut with like juicing yeah. aside too, because you just know so much. It's so fascinating. And I'm wondering with colonics and enemas, what are your thoughts on those? I like to do them in moderation, but I don't do them too much because I have heard a lot of people saying it can disrupt, disrupt your microbiome by doing them too much. What are your thoughts on those? Do you believe in them at all or no? Yeah. So I, I think I do believe in them. Um, you know, and I think they're tools. Um, I do think, you know, when we utilize them, especially if someone's coming from a, um, like they have symptoms of, you know, gut or whole body, and they're really working on getting to the root of those, like those are not going to be the tools that are going to take us to the finish line. They are not like the treatment in and of themselves, but they can be very helpful. You know, if somebody is chronically constipated, like a colonic, um, is, such a helpful tool to say like, Hey, we got to get that drainage pathway open. And like, there's an education to the muscular contractions in the gut that that can actually help to stimulate because that muscles have memories. And if we are not contracting those muscles regularly, um, they can, you know, start to be like essentially regulate to the patterns of, you know, every couple of days having bowel movement. So we can see benefit to like utilizing some of those tools um, enemas are, you know, ways to get physical waste out, but they're also ways to stimulate detoxification. Um, that's where, you know, a coffee enemas are spoken about, or I utilize, um, a supplement actually called Tudka that I'll put into, or I'll have people put into their enemas. If we're working on really getting like bile contractions and getting motility to turn back on in the gut. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I feel similarly in terms of like, they are tools, you know, maybe like once a week, or if we're really in an acute phase, like maybe more, more frequently, but, um, and then we can kind of bring them to like a maintenance phase. You know, I think if we were talking about us from like a paleolithic era, like way back when it's like, yeah, let's not put stuff up the exit. Like let's yeah. keep that, like, coming out, but we live in the 21st century modern world. And like, we're not doing ourselves any favors here. We are like burdened every which way that we look from, you know, most things that we don't have control over, like, you know, just the, the amount of environmental chemicals that are introduced. We have like two to 3000, probably more every year now that's introduced. So, you know, this is where, like, I very much believe like we need more tools to help to get the, the flow of things that are coming in our body out of our body. So I agree. I, talk a lot about like drainage as the, like, we need the garbage trucks to come and an enema and a colonic are a really helpful garbage truck, particularly if our garbage truck uniquely in our body is like only showing up like once a week, we're like, Oh, we got to increase that garbage. Yeah. Truck. Yeah. yeah. And can they be harmful when we're juicing though? Or do you think it's okay and safe to still do them while we're juicing if we're on like a juice fast to incorporate the colonics enemas or no? Yeah. So I think that that, um, could, to definitely, I don't see a, 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 like negative, um, implication of that. The only thing I do say, I do think about sometimes with juice fast, um, and, and adding in like colonics is I like people to increase their sodium, mm -hmm. um, while they're doing like a juice fast, or if they're doing like regular colonics or regular enemas, because the predominant place that we absorb a lot of our electrolytes is in that like kind of distal area of our colon. Yeah. And like flushing it out often, we kind of can miss some of the absorption of those um, kind of minerals, particularly sodium. And when we're doing, you know, this is where when we get into the plant world, like we are 
getting an abundance of minerals, but particularly we're getting a lot of potassium, which is amazing. I'm a big fan of potassium, Yeah. but potassium and sodium are a seesaw in the body. So we need both. And this is where, you know, when we have abundance of potassium, we have a resilience to sodium and we really need it. So this is where like, if somebody is listening and they're like, how do I know if I like need more sodium? Like if you're somebody who goes from sitting or lying down to standing and you get lightheaded, Mm-hmm. If you're if you're nauseous, if you have low blood pressure, there's so many women and men too, but more women that are like, yeah, I have low blood pressure. And like my doctor's like, oh, are you a marathon runner? Like that's so healthy. Yeah. Really, low blood pressure is not what we want. Like we don't want high blood pressure, certainly, but we want this regulated blood pressure because that's our energy. That's our nervous system. That's our kind of resilience um, and our adrenals and our nervous system and our stomach acid, like all require sodium. Yeah. Really, you know, optimally function. So, um, a nice mineral rich salt, like a Redmond's real salt or a Celtic salt, or like a really good Himalayan salt from like a, now we have to test our salt for plastics because so sea salt. So that's why I try to go for some of these other brands. Um, So that would be my only thought of like bringing those things on top of one another, just like increase the sodium. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And just one more thing. Do you think, okay. So I got the Nama last year, late last year. And then I compared it to my old juicer and it was such a huge difference with like the pulp and the color of the juice and the nutrient quality. So do you think that the juice can affect our gut? I just thought about that, like with a high quality juicer, like the Nama versus using one that's not as high quality or no. So, yeah, I think, I mean, the Nama is like, I've used so many juicers too. And like the Nama, I'm like, this is, it's like fun too, that like yeah. you know, set it and forget it in a way. Um, <laughs> the But I think the biggest thing is the um, the protection of the juice to like oxygen. So we're, we really are getting like more nutrient delivery. Um, you know, I think with another juicer, like if somebody's listening and they're like, I don't have it in my budget to get a Nama, like I just throw this juicer out and like, say like, screw it to juicing until I can like, no, I still think there's tremendous value. Um, I think where, you know, if we're going to juice and then drink it immediately, like we're going to get, you know, a ton of nutrients one way or the other where we see a tremendous amount of value is like, if you're, you know, juicing and kind of think, Oh, I'm going to save this like for tomorrow. I'm going to like put it in the fridge or I'm going to freeze it and save it for a couple of next days. Like the degradation of those nutrients over time yeah. with oxygen exposure will decrease. I mean, some of them are nominal, but you know, we're spending a lot on our fruits and veggies. It's a whole, you know, energy process. So it's like, let's get the most bang for our, our buck there. So I think that's really where we're seeing, um, the the biggest difference between the 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 types of of juicers and that's just a the great point that we're getting to yeah and I notice a huge difference when I drink the juice right away versus if I put it in the fridge I don't batch juice only because I love I get that some people have to for their schedules and stuff and that's great but yeah it's a huge difference and again for the Nama if anybody wants that I'll put my code below and the link it's incredible and this has been amazing Abby I've loved having you on you know so much you're so awesome we'd love to have you back in the future. And if you could let everybody know where they can find you and if there's anything you want to end off with, anything you feel called to say or any source of inspiration for somebody who might want to start juicing or might want to improve their health, then absolutely go do so now. Yeah, um, I'm really active on Instagram. You can find me at Above Health. Um, my practice name is Above Health Nutrition, abovehealthnutrition.com. Um, and hello at Above Health Nutrition is our email. If there's like any questions or you're like, can you help me or anything at all, just send us an email and we'll send you to the right place. Um, and I, I mean, the biggest thing I think with, you know, with our health of when we make these choices for kind of like, you know, putting the right information in, like what it's really doing is it's helping us to align more. And I think anyone that's gone through like a health journey 
of like with who we were brought into this world to be. It like starts to like the fog starts to separate. We start to even put more boundaries up in our own lives because we think our gut is a boundary. So part of the healing of our gut is also, you know, healing of our greatest boundary of our gut, a greatest boundary of our body. Like we say no to things or we say like, you know what? I can't do it this way. I'm going to do it this way. Like there's such a responsibility in a beautiful sense that we get to step into of like ownership of like, this is my body and I'm going to like own it and treat it and love it and like, you know, give it some joys and give it some of those foundations. And like, that is, that's the biggest transformation, I think, beyond the, the, you know, what am I eating or how am I moving or what am I doing? Like the, the energetic, like up level, I think that, um, that I'm sure so many people listening are like, yes, like that's what, you know, once you get going in it, you're like, oh my God, like, it's so clear now. How could I have ever lived in a different way? So true. And so well said, everybody go follow Abby. And I hope you guys enjoyed this video. If you did give it a big thumbs up right now, make sure you subscribe. And I will put two great juicing transformation videos on the screen right now. So go check those out if you have time and I'll see you guys in the next video. Bye. That was great. You're awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I could have talked to you all day. You were